Welcome to Global One Media's Stocks to Watch. I'm Michael Suido. I'm speaking today with Farhad Abasov. He's a chairman of a mineral exploration company called Millennial Potash. If you're wondering what's Potash, well, we'll get to that in a moment. Farhad, welcome to the program. Thank you, Michael. Good to be here. All right, so let's start with that question. I'm going to venture to say that most people have never heard of Potash, even though it's something that affects our daily lives. So tell us, what is it? Give us a quick primer. Well, look, Michael, potash is a, is a fertilizer. So uh, I think about 95, 96% of potash that is extracted worldwide is used primarily for fertilizer. Um, and uh, some of it is used for ceramics and so forth. But generally speaking, again, potash, potash as we know it, uh, is used as a fertilizer worldwide. Okay, so we got to say that the market for it is presumably huge. Well, the market is basically the entire world. So everyone who's got agricultural lands uses potash, along with obviously some other fertilizers too. But it's an interesting market, whereas probably about half a dozen countries produce potash, but the rest of the world uses potash. So you're absolutely right. So we're talking about 70, 80 million ton a year demand for potash. Okay. And for the geeks out there, potash is the name for a group of minerals and chemicals that contain potassium. Uh, and as you heard, it's used in fertilizer just about everywhere. And your company is searching for it in the Central African country of Gabon. Tell us, how did you end up there? Well, look, I mean, this is not our first potash project, Michael. So we've uh, built and sold two major projects, potash projects in the past, um, one in Ethiopia and East Africa, and the other one in Saskatchewan in Canada. So this is our third potash project. So our last project was a lithium project. A company was also called Millennial, but Millennial Lithium. And we built and sold it last year. And, uh, and then after that, we started looking for a new project. And potash was one of the commodities, one of the uh, minerals that we're focusing on. And, uh, and this project came across our desk. We did the fundamental due diligence, a very long due diligence on this project because Gabon was a new entity for us as a country, as a mining jurisdiction. It took us about five months to do due diligence. and then. Uh, we decided to take over this project. So, so it took us a little while to uh, to research the company, uh, the project, I should say, but we decided to take it on primarily because it has seen significant previous exploration that shows significant upside potential here as a, as a major potash project. Well, I'm sure investors are probably really glad to hear about the due diligence. I mean, they spent five months doing it. It's fantastic. Uh, and I just wanted to tell you, I used to live in Gabon, and I have to say that like one corner of the country is more beautiful than the next. It's lush, it's forested, it has a great coastline. Uh, and when it comes to its economy, people actually think of it a bit more for oil. I mean, it's a member of OPEC. A lot of people don't know that, but it is. So it's better known for oil than potash, but I'm thinking you might change that. That's so, a very interesting point, Michael. First of all, not too many people uh, have lived there, so that's great to see that you've actually lived there. But you're absolutely right. Oil and gas is their mainstay. I think the you know, uh, lion's share of the country's revenues are, obviously are derived is derived from oil and gas. Um, however, a few years back, they decided to diversify away from oil and gas. You know, they, they want to obviously lessen the dependence on, on the hydrocarbons. So they opened up the mining uh, mining sector since then. So hence, quite a few companies came in, including ourselves. Fantastic. Your project in Gabon is on the coast. It's just north of the Republic of Congo, and it's called the Banio Potash Project. You've just released some sample results from your drilling there. The media release, I have to say, is pretty technical. So could you break it down for us in layman terms? What's the main takeaway? Absolutely. So look, Michael, so two main things about this uh, news release. Uh, basically, we've had a drill course from previous exploration program. We've decided to take those drill cores 
and send them for reanalysis just to make sure that the work previous work has been done up to Canadian standards. And uh, and what this um, uh, news release or the, these results show is that actually the work has been done properly, but most importantly shows tremendous thickness in the northern part of the uh, of the project, meaning potash seams thickness. Uh, we're talking about 40, 50 meters in total, uh, but also shows good grades and continuity because we have three um, historical drill cores and we've already done the reanalysis of one and this is the second one. So when you look at the results, it shows very good correlation, means that there's a continuity of potash from one drill hole to another. So two things I would say, the most important things, continuity here uh, and very thick potash horizons. And of course, uh, we're drilling uh, on our own as well. We're doing our own drill program. We've finished one drill hole and that news will be coming in the next couple of weeks as well. All right, we'll really look forward to that. And when you say that it's thick, I presume that means there's potentially a lot of potash there. Absolutely, Michael. And this is really unique about this project that it, you know, if you look at previous exploration, we see uh, the shallow part of the project to the north and very deep and thick uh, potash horizons in the south. And we always thought that, you know, the, the uh, south is going to have very thick potash horizons, again, based on historical drill course, drill uh, drill holes. And now we can see that even in the north, we're talking about a world-class thickness, uh, 30, 40 meters, potentially even higher than that as we go through our own drill program. So we think overall, this is going to be a very large resource and probably uh, one of the thickest potash deposits in the world. Well, one of the thickest deposits in the world. Fantastic. Uh, I want to get a little geeky here again and talk about how the mining might take place. Uh, I understand that the results show there's good potential for something called a bulk solution mining. Uh, what actually is this? Could you tell us how it works? And is this the technique you expect to use? Michael, solution mining is uh, probably one of the best methods to extract and process potash. <clears throat> the well-proven methodology, there are three major solution mining operations in Canada and Saskatchewan and one in Germany. In fact, two of our previous potash projects were also amenable to solution mining. So our team is quite comfortable and knowledgeable uh, about solution mining techniques as well. Now, why we like solution mining? It has two major advantages. One, it keeps your capex low because of the nature of the works, and I'll explain in a second. And the second thing is it has a minimal environmental impact. So basically what the methodology entails is that you drill into the ore body and you inject water or saline solution into your ore body, dissolve potash on the ground, and then you pump this back up to the surface and then you process the brine, uh, basically extract the potash from the brine. So as you can tell, because of the nature of the works, you know, you don't have to move earth here. You don't excavate it, you don't blast, you don't open you don't open pit or you don't sink a shaft. So it's a minimal environmental impact, which is very important, obviously, for us. As you mentioned, you know, this is a beautiful part of the world. I want to keep it that way. Um, now, in our case, meaning in this particular project, we also have two additional advantages because of solution mining. You know, I mentioned one earlier, thick potash horizons. That should translate into lower sustaining capex and lower operating costs because we're going to have several large caverns operating for many years without any need to, to replenish them, meaning any need to drill more and more. That's very important. And the second thing is we're very close to water. We're right on the coast. So again, you see water to actually pump into the, uh, into the ore body. So again, that should keep our um, operating costs low, but also it will allow us to have a uh, much shorter permitting process because, again, we're not going to be uh, tapping into fresh water. That's really interesting. I mean, when I think of mining, 
that's not what I envision. Uh, I grew up in Kentucky and there you have strip mining and it just looks absolutely horrible. So to hear that you can do this in a way that does not destroy the environment, uh, I gotta say I'm all for that. I wanna ask Michael, you- uh, uh, You're absolutely right. I mean, just I wanna add on that because if you go to visit the uh, solution mining operations in Saskatchewan, for example, and these are very large mines they're operating. I mean, they're producing four or 5 million tons of potash a year. You would never guess it's that sets a mining operation because you don't have what you just described. You know, basically there's absolutely no disturbance on, on surface. All you see is, you know, they're basically well-filled and the, you know, the, the pipes sticking out with gauges attached to them. And, and just, I want to add here that if a potash project were not amenable to solution mining, our team would not touch it, both for the reasons you just mentioned. Oh, that's awesome. So if, if we return to the project in Gabon, the Bonio project there, tell us where do you go from here? What are the next steps? So look, uh, in the next few months, uh, and I would say a few weeks as well, uh, Michael, it's going to be very exciting for us because uh, we're drilling ourselves. We'll finish our first drill hole. So, they, so the results of that drill hole will actually be out in uh, this month as well. And then right after that, we're planning to issue the, uh, what we call 43-101 meter resource estimate. And that will basically show what we have found so far in the northern tip of the project. We believe uh, as it is, it's already going to be large. But it's going to be literally the tip of the iceberg because we haven't really drilled in the rest of the project. This is just a, a easily, the most easily accessible part of the project. But that will be large enough, meaning the resource is going to be large enough to allow us to proceed with a preliminary economic assessment. And the PEA will be done most likely in January. So in the next two to three months, we're going to have not only a large resource just in the on a little area of our project, but also we're going to have significant, uh, hopefully, economics attached to it uh, in the first half of the uh, of the first quarter next year. And then after that, of course, we're going to drill further. We're going to move our drill rig down to the south and drill the southern uh, deeper uh, horizons. And we think that's where mother load of potash is. And then we'll expand our resource. And if everything looks uh, as we expect, uh, we'll go straight into the bankable feasibility study, uh, probably in the second quarter of next year. Fantastic. It sounds like there's a lot going on. I want to switch tracks now and talk about business acumen. Farhad, you have a history of building and selling mining companies for significant sums. Uh, we have a lot of budding entrepreneurs and business professionals watching these interviews. So I want to ask you, what is one piece of advice that you would offer them about building a successful business? Michael, that's a great question, but it's very hard to answer with one piece of advice. So, but well, look, one thing I would say is uh, really do your homework and take the risk. I mean, if you see that opportunity is right, uh, you have to really pull the trigger, so to speak, because it's not easy. I mean, if you have a decent job, if you have, you know, well-paid job, you're you're, a B, you're a B, be an engineer or a finance expert or whatever sector you may be, it's a bit of a difficult, um, I would say, decision to leave a very cushy or comfortable job and jump into mm -hmm. something that has a lot of challenges, a lot of, uh, you know, unexpected, uh, you know, situations that, that you have to handle and quite stressful. Uh, but I think if you really want to be financially independent, if you really want to build your own career and actually, uh, you know, be an entrepreneur, a successful entrepreneur, you have to take that risk. And I think one thing I want to add here, it's absolutely critical, at least in our business, to build the right team. And I, I've been very fortunate to have the same team with me for almost 15 years. It is very rare in this business, Michael, to have the same team from one project to another and then to another and so forth. Uh, but we see eye to eye on many things. Uh, everyone is uh, professional, competent in their own area. 
and really that that really increases the the chances of success. And I think one of the key things here is that you know you have to look uh, whatever business you're going to pursue, you have to look at what exactly what kind of value you bring to the table. I think once you zero in on that, meaning what you can bring to the table, and believe me, no matter how smart you are in the end, it's really hard work. Then you can uh, take that risk, jump into it, and have your back against the wall. Because if you leave too many options open, you you'll always have that, you know, temptation to switch or go for something else. You know, burn the bridge, so to speak, behind you, so that you can jump into it uh, and just get it done. And tenacity will be the key, of course. Fantastic. You mentioned the importance of building a team. Uh, I know when venture capitalists or angel investors come in, that's one of the first things they look at. Who is on your team? Is it a good team? Do they have the right skills? And do they gel? So uh, absolutely fantastic absolutely. advice. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, and look, I mean, that's one of the things that we always show that, you know, the, the to have this type of a team that has done so many things together is very rare. And again, we all, you know, all team members consider ourselves very fortunate that we've found each other and we, you know, and, and that's why, Michael, it's not accidental that it took us five, six months to do due diligence. That's what we do with any other project as well. Um, so I think that is a key thing also, because, you know, we consider ourselves to be, you know, the largest shareholder or whatever project we take on. So we're going to do the utmost we can to make sure that, you know, we mitigate all the risks before we get involved with the project. Fantastic. Last question for you here, and this is for all the investors watching. Give us your elevator pitch. Why is Millennial Potash a stock to watch? Look, two things. One, the team itself that has done this before and knows Potash very well. I'll tell you, Michael, there have been three major M&A transactions in the Potash sector in the last 15 to 20 years, and our team has done two out of those three. So that kind of gives you our track record as not only in mining, but specifically in Potash as well. And the second thing is the project itself. The project has been explored. We know what is in the ground. We think it's going to be much larger than what we're going to show even in November. Um, and, you know, people will see that or see that potential. And we think it's going to be one of the lowest cost operators because of the factors I mentioned, meaning the availability of water, thick potash deposit in a good location, a good, uh, I mean, I didn't talk about it, but also in a good country, because from there we can supply potash to the African continent, of course, to South America and so forth. So it's a very unique project where it takes all these necessary boxes for us to be able to replicate uh, our you know, past successes. So that's where we see the right team, the right project in the right place. Fantastic. Wonderful insights. Got to say, I didn't know much at all about Potash before coming into this. To learn from you, to hear about how it can be mined sustainably, how you can do it with less capital. Really good to hear. Uh, Interesting to see how that project is going. Know there's going to be more updates and look forward to having you back on the show to share those again. Thanks so much, Mark. All right. I've been speaking with Millennial Podcast Chairman Farhad Abbasov, and you've been watching Global One Media Stocks to Watch. I'm Michael Swido.